right, if you would, open your Bibles tonight with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, and we want to continue on with that message that we started this morning about God's music for marriage, God's music for marriage, and remember we said that that, you know, just like in just like in music, you know, there are parts. You have the mel you have the melody, and then you may have the alto, you've got the bass, the baritone, the, the tenor, and so forth. And uh, and e those parts are different, though they are in the same key. They just have they just are in, in, in different uh, well, I guess they're not exactly the same key, but they're in the same tune. And, and, when, and when everybody knows their part and they're singing, it adds a richness to the music. The songwriter, when he was putting the music together, the person that did that, to put the music to the words, they had that with a harmony in mind. And I'm telling you that God wants a harmony, some music in our marriages that makes, that makes a pleasant sound, that is a melody that, uh, you know, everybody appreciates good music. And it ought to be so in our marriages that, that we have an impact and influence on those around us. And so I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to say welcome again to those that will be viewing by way of YouTube. And I trust that the Word of God will be a blessing to you as it will be to those of us that are here. And uh, we talked about the husbands this morning. Look with me. Let's find our place. Look in verse uh, look in verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And that is what Paul is using as an example for us as to how our marriages should be. And, uh, and look at verse 33. He, now he goes back to the marriage. And he says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And so the two parts, if you will, in this music, one is that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And again, I'll say, man, what an awesome responsibility. What a great responsibility. And I think in the context of the chapter, the men have got a lot more to live up to than what the ladies have. I'm not minimizing your responsibilities, ladies, but I'm just saying that which is outlined here it, it is very pointed and it's very, um, I mean, it's very critical because he holds us as the leaders, he holds us responsible, responsible. Brethren, you may delegate authority to your wives in some areas of your home. Maybe, maybe your wives have done the finances or whatever. She might be very good at that and so forth, but you know what? She's not ultimately responsible for those things. You are. I am. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't delegate away responsibility. You delegate away authority, but not your responsibility. Men, we have a responsibility to our wives to love them as Christ loved the church. He said, Brother Ed, I thought you were going to deal with the women tonight. You're still talking about the men. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm just trying to help out those that maybe need to catch up a little bit from this morning. But remember, one of the things, hey, she needs stability in her home. She needs security in her heart. And she needs a sense of worth in her husband that, that we value our wives. You know, a prudent wife a wise wife, a good woman, you know, he that obtaineth a wife, obtaineth what? A good thing. 
That's what Solomon said. And, uh, and so we need to treat them that way, brethren. All right. And so I'm glad you're in agreement about that. All right. And, and, but now I want you to see, ladies, let's look at some of your responsibilities. All right. According to verse 33, it says, and, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. God expects us as men to love our wives and ladies. God expects you as a wife to reverence your husband, to reverence your husband. Let's look at that. You know, look with me in verse 22. There's some ways that this will be done. Look at verse 22 with me. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in some thing. No, that's not what it says. It says in what? In everything, everything. And ladies, this is what we, what you have been called to do in your relationship. So let's let's clarify some of these things. You know, there's been a lot of preaching on this stuff, and and you know, some men they just love that idea. Boy, uh, you know, my wife is supposed to submit to me, submit to me, and all these kind of things. But I want you to notice something about this. Men, we're to love our wives, but ladies, you are to reverence your husbands. And I've heard a lot of preaching. I've heard a lot of different things about about uh you know about wives submit yourselves to your husband and some men you know they kind of use that sometimes as kind of like a hammer on them i i remember counseling with a man he said would you just tell her she's got to submit to me and blah 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 and all this kind of, you know and i was going to say brother listen uh, the, the bible i i, I don't want to beat somebody over the head with the book you know there's an old saying it's not in the bible but i i think i think it holds true it says that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still remember the little boy you know had kept having trouble he didn't want to sit down and he finally got punished by his parents and when he came back to school he raised his hand he was sitting down and he told the teacher you know he said i i i want you to know i'm sitting down on the outside but ma'am on the inside i'm still standing up and, uh, and that's not what God wants out of us, out of any of us. Whether, whether we take our responsibility as men seriously, God also wants our wives to take their responsibility seriously. So let's look at, the, let's look at some of those things. So it's, I'm talking about here about respecting him. I want you to see, number one, that God made us different, that he might make us one. God made us different, ladies, that God would make us one. Now, this was God's grand design. Do you remember in the garden when he found that there was no one there for Adam? Adam had named all the animals and so forth. He brought them there, and none of them were suitable for him. And God said it's not good for man to be alone. And so he said, I'm, he told Adam, I'm going to make you a help and help meet for him and help meet for him something that was suitable for him that was not like the animals that had come before him and I, and I what I want you to see in this as a help meet ladies as a help meet and that word meet means suitable it's uh, in other words it's designed that way and so God made us different that he could make us one listen Ladies, we're going to look at some passages where we're going to read that the husband, your husband, is the head of the home. But what I want you to understand is that you are the heart of the home. These are the distinctions. These are the things that made us different. As I said this morning, you know, 
you know, regardless of what Oprah and Dr. Phil say, we are not the same. But the world is trying to conform all that. And I said again, you know, they're trying to conform children to these things. Well, there's just a bunch of confusion. And it doesn't promote harmony. It certainly doesn't make music. If it does, it's a corrupt music. It's chaos in a lot of these places. And so, ladies, you are the heart of the home. You know, in, the, in society today, boy, they, they talk about the feminist. I look, at, you know, look up the word sometime. I, I asked, you know, what, what, what is a feminist? And boy, immediately it brought up all the social political things about the standing of a woman and her asserting herself in society and so forth. And then I said, well, what is feminine? And here's what, here's what, here's what feminine means, having qualities as ascribed to women such as sensitivity or gentleness. It doesn't sound anything like what a feminist is. To be feminine. And, uh, and, and ladies, I, I want you to know, listen, your femininity, your nurturing qualities, they enhance the home. Man, you know, I've been in some homes that I did, it wasn't long before I was there and I looked around just a little bit. I wasn't judging what kind of housekeeping was going on. But I looked at the house and I said, man, a bachelor lives here. You know, I've been in a lot of homes as a medic. I, I went to a lot of those places and, and, uh, and I looked and I said, man, this is a bachelor here. I bet if I were to look in the refrigerator, there's going to be a half-eaten can of, of uh, I, I've even forgot what they call those things, SpaghettiOs, uh, you know. And there'll be, some, there'll be some Velveeta cheese in there still. It might be an old package or whatever. And, you know, maybe an old sandwich that they haven't finished all the way. Certainly going to have some jelly and probably got some peanut butter in the, in the cupboard, you know. But you can just look around and say, man, a bachelor lives here. But when you walk into a home where there's a lady in that home, a wife in that home, they have enhanced it. I mean, just their beauty alone, intrinsically, that which is in them. They, they're going to express that in their home and the way they take care of things. And listen, your, your femininity, your enhancements in that home, it's what brings a warmth. You know, it can, it, listen, in, in the place where you live, it's just a house if there's nobody in it. But what makes it a home are the people that live inside. And there is, there is, there's something inviting about that. And ladies, your spirit and your attitude about things, man, it can make that into a place where, where people want to come to. You know, it was a big deal. It was a big deal, you know, for our grandchildren, boy, to get to come to grandma's house. You, you, had, you had to be potty trained. And you had to be, you had to make your mind up that once you got there, you weren't going to, you know, get up in the middle of the night and go, I want to go home, I'm scared or what, you know, that wasn't going to happen. If you were going to come to grandma's, you, ha you had to know how to use the, the bathroom and you had to be there for the whole duration. And there wasn't going to be anything. And I, I remember one time when John, you know, that came here when he, I forget about old John, he might have been three or whatever, but he came over and he was in the garage already and I opened the door to the garage I was going outside, here comes John, and he had a teddy bear, uh, like, suitcase on wheels. And I looked at him and I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Grandma's. <laughs> I mean, just like that. And he did. He stayed the night, and everything was fine. And, uh, but why, why did they want to do that? They, they wanted to come be a part of that. There was something inviting about that home, something warm there. And I'm going to Grandma's, and it was a treat. And, uh, and so, and ladies, you have a great impact on that. I want you to know that. You have a great impact on that. And to be able to express yourself. Listen, don't listen to the rhetoric of today's society. They only want to tear down the homes 
in America with their aggressive posturing. But listen to what Proverbs eleven sixteen says. It says, a gracious woman retaineth honor. A gracious woman. You remember the woman, you remember the woman in Proverbs 31 says, the law of kindness is in her tongue. The law of kindness. And, uh, and so ladies, you have a great opportunity to establish something, not only for your children, but your children's children how you handle these things. And so uh, I want you to know that God made us different, that he might make us one. But also, and like, and like any and all of us as believers, we all have to run with patience the race that is set before us. Hebrews 12 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Listen, anytime you're a part of a team, you got a coach, right? And the coach is the one that says where you're going to play and how you're going to do it. Whether, whether it be a baseball team as to what position you're going to play or whatever. Or maybe you're on a track team. Maybe you're going to be the first one to one run. Maybe you're going to be the person that's the anchor. And man can't really make up for lost ground or whatever. The coach determines that. There's no male or female in that running of the race. We just have to listen to the coach. And our coach, our Heavenly Father, has set the roles for us as men and women. They are distinct and they are different. And we just have to find our place and run our race. And run our race together. And so I want to say, ladies, you are the heart of the home. And your children, man, they're the hope of your home. We want to give them something, put something in them that will carry them down the road or in your grandchildren that you can have an impact in their life. And, uh, and, and so God has allowed us to, to have a part in these things. And so, ladies, you play a primary role and you're respecting of him. Do you know that you're affecting not only how you're not only affecting in your own marriage, but you're influencing your daughters. You've got daughters in your home. You've got sons. What's he going to see? He's going to see that, hey, how did my mother treat my dad? How did my mother get along with my dad? Or, as a little girl, how did my mother, uh, what kind of man was, was my dad? What kind of, how did my mother treat my dad and so forth? Because you're putting some things in her that she's going to be looking for in her husband. Or that she wants to see how she should treat her, her husband when she gets old enough to be married. And so you, you have a role that you, that, you are, that you are involved in and you have an impact and an influence in your home, even as grandparents. There's some things, you know, some of us got started early. I mean, I've got, I, I have, we have 11 grandchildren, so I, actually I'm a great grandpa in, to some degree. Uh, I've got some children that, that have had children, grandchildren that have had children. And, uh, and, you know, and, and they ought to be able to know that grandpa loves them, great-grandpa loves them, and, and, uh, and so does their great-grandmother and so forth, and have an opportunity there and them, for them to remember what it was like at, at grandma's house, at great-grandma's house. You know, uh, I, my, my great-grandparents, they, they were dead uh, by the time that I came along, uh, but my wife talks about many times about... Uh, about Grandma DeVant and Grandma Mac and, and so forth and who some of these people were and, and what a difference that, that it was like in their home. And so ladies, don't, don't, don't think that you've missed out on something by, 
by the virtue of your gender. Boy, you have it. That's, that's what, the, to me, the world and the rhetoric, there are just a lot of bitter women out there. They're bitter when they could be made better. And so, so let's look at some things, all right? God made us different that he might make us one, and God made us distinct in our roles in creation but equal, I'm going to say that again, but equal in value. Equal in value. Listen, as a Christian, I don't have to have the Equal Rights Amendment. I don't have to have a feminist uh, out there uh, parading around or getting behind a pulpit someplace and, and pouting into us about, about their equal value of women in society today. Listen, if you're, a, if you're a child of God, the Bible plainly teaches these things to us. That, that, we, that we are together in this. It was Adam and Eve that were together in this. And so too it is for husbands and wives. And so ladies, the, our, your role here is in respecting him, in reverencing him, and yet understanding that you have, you have an equality in value. Because you're going to see this in just a second. So what does that mean? Number one, it means acceptance of your role and not acquiescence. Now, I'm not trying to use a big word here to confuse you. It means acceptance, accepting something. To acquiesce means to reluctantly, to silently agree. Rather, God wants you to embrace your role as a wife, as a mother, as a woman in, in this relationship. He wants you to embrace those things because, uh, because and really what this is about is about receiving and believing what the Lord has said about you in your relationship. Let's go back to verse 22. Notice what it says. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Well, what is submission? What is submission? Here's what I want you to get. Listen. The woman is not at all inferior to the man. I mean, God wouldn't bring me something less than his best. When you think about that, would he have brought Adam something that was less than his best? Well, of course not. He would not have done that. He loved Adam. He wanted Adam to have a help that was meet for him. So why would he bring him someone who's inferior? It's not, we're just different. Ladies, you're different. You're not inferior to your husband. I want you to notice this. Because, because what submission means, it doesn't mean being subservient. Subservient, is, in other words, subservient means to be less important. And you are not less important. You're not going to have a family without a wife. You're not going to have a lot of things without a wife. And, uh, and so you are not, you are not less important. And, uh, and I, want you, I want you to look at this. Go with me to the book of Philippians. Keep your place there in Ephesians, and I want you to turn right in your Bible. Go to Philippians chapter, go to Philippians with me, chapter 2, and look at this. You, you probably haven't seen this before, maybe like this, maybe you have. Uh, I confess, I was looking at this, and I, and I thought this was very interesting. Look in Philippians chapter 2, look in verse 5, notice what it says. It says, now this is both to both men and women. But it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now watch. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be what? To be equal with God. 
Now, now was the Son of God inferior to his heavenly Father? No, he was not. The scripture says here he was equal to God. And, when, and who is the head of Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 11? God is the head of Christ. So is Christ subservient? Is Christ less than equal with God? No, not at all. He's 100% God as well as 100% man. So what I want you to see out of this, let's keep reading. Now watch. Look at verse 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now watch. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now look at verse 9. Wherefore? Because he had done these things, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when the Lord Jesus submitted himself, you see, what we have here, submission, is when two equal values, when one of those values yields themselves to the other value. That's what submission is. It's not that this person, if this person was subservient, if this person was inferior to this person, the submission is already taken care of. That's, all, that's already a, a given fact. Why? Because they're not the same in that. But beloved, you are equal in value, ladies. Equal in value. And it's a choice that you make to submit yourself. That's what the Lord Jesus did. He was equal in value with God. But what did he do? He submitted himself. He took upon the role that God gave him and he accepted that. He didn't grudgingly accept it. He embraced it. He said, I do always those things which please my father. And he said, my will is not my own, but him that sent me. And, and so ladies, but I want you to see your submission. It's so important. It's so important. And so what is Christian submission? It is simply this. It is when one equal voluntarily placing him or herself under another equal that Jesus Christ may be glorified. Let's go back to Ephesians. I want you to see this. Look at Ephesians 5 with me. Let's look at verse 21. I want you to see this. Ephesians 5, look in verse 21. Notice what it says. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Well, who is that? That's both husband and wife. Submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. Here we are equals. And there's going to be some times, men, when we're going to need to submit ourselves. And there's going to be times when she's going to need to submit herself. But we're on equal playing field and it's a choice when we voluntarily do that. What? In the sight of God, right? Submitting one to ourselves, one to another in the fear of God. Why? That in our marriage, in our home, God might be glorified. He might be magnified. What? So to make a name for ourselves? No. But rather that we may exalt him, that he would draw all men and women unto himself. You know, as your marriage goes along, ladies, and you do this with a good spirit and a good attitude, it does. Other people look around, you know, and, uh, and they say, and they might even ask them, why, why can't we have this? You know, some, somebody expressed that, and I, 
I'm not trying to be the hero here. Not, we were, Debbie and I, we were just doing our thing as we knew to do it, it, in the grace of God. And I remember it was my mother that said, you know, why can't we have this in our home? Why can't we have this? And you can, you can. And so, uh, ladies, I want you to understand, one of those things is to accept your role in creation, believing what God has said about you in that role. And, uh, and because look with me, you know, I, I, what I want you to see, in other words, one person voluntarily places him or herself under another equal that God might be glorified. So, the, so part of the requirement here, your responsibility, men, we're to love our wives. Ladies, you are to respect your husband. And the way that you show that is not just in words, but in your ways when you submit yourself unto him as under the Lord. And it is a choice that you make. It does require humility. But also, if we're going to feel, fulfill our role, brethren, as husbands, we have to submit ourselves to God, don't we? Because some men, they just want the benefits of marriage without the responsibilities. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So I wanted you to see that, number one, ladies, that you are to submit yourself unto him. And then number two, I want you to see that you are to support him. How you, how you respect your husband is through your support of him. Just like what I said this morning about, about when, <clears throat> when sometimes when maybe there, as a husband or a, and a wife, you, you've made a decision about the children and there's some disagreement about that. The two of you go into a different room, you talk about it together, and then whoever made that rule that's going to be changed, that's the one that needs to speak up and say, listen, uh, dad has changed his mind or whatever, and this is how we're going to do it. You, in other words, you don't make the other person look bad in front of the children or look that less than what they are. And so ladies, sometimes the kids are going to come to you and complain, and they're going to say, why do we have to do this? And, and you know, it, it, don't be saying, well, I don't know, it's what your dad wants done. What did you just do right there? You sort of undermined him right there. And so, so ladies, you don't do that. Say, hey, listen, this is what dad said. We decided on this. I'm in agreement with him, and this is how it's going to be done. When you do that, you know what? The kids will quit trying to divide and conquer. And we were good at that, weren't we? Amen. We Remember I said they know how to shop. They know who to ask when they want something. They know how to divide the home and conquer. You all got to stick together. Why? Because you're a team. Listen, you're not a partnership or partners. No, no, no. A partnership is a business that doesn't really have a head. It, it goes on votes or whatever. If you got enough votes, then you get to have your way in a partnership. But in a team, you have a captain. It doesn't mean that, listen, it doesn't mean that one player is better than the other players. They're just all a part of the same team, but somebody's got to be in charge. And so, ladies, you are to support them. Look, look, in, look, in, look with me in 1 Corinthians 11. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11, I want you to look in verse 8 and 9. To submit yourselves unto him as unto the Lord and then to support him. Why? Because what I want you to understand, ladies, is that you were made for him and not he for you. What? You were made for him and not he for you. Say, why is that? Well, Adam was made first. 
I didn't, I didn't make the rule. You say, well, obviously some man wrote this. No, the Holy Spirit inspired men to write. And, uh, and so it is God's word, and the Lord knew what they were going to need. Eve, remember, was deceived. She was in the deception. She hadn't disobeyed God. Adam did that. What happened in the garden was Adam's fault, not Eve's fault. But what Eve needed, that's where the scripture says that he would rule over you and to provide oversight. Again, doesn't mean inferior. It just means that you have a different role in creation. And God just wants you to accept that role with a good spirit and a good attitude. And I'm telling you, you'll be making music that others around you, your children, your grandchildren, and others around you will appreciate. It makes that kind of difference. I ask you to go to 1 Corinthians 11. Look in verse 8 with me. Notice what it says. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Where did Eve come from? Came from Adam's rib. Came from Adam. That's why he said, man, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I mean, he was endearing something. Man, you're a part of me. Look at verse 9. Neither was the man created for the woman but the woman for the man. Do you reckon CNN would interview me about that? I bet not. Do you think they'd have me on The View and, and let me read that? Oh man, they would just rip that up and they would do whatever they could. But that is God's arrangement. I didn't make it that way. You know, there have been times Debbie has told me, I'm so glad you're the man, I don't have to make this decision. You know, that she, she didn't have to fool with that, but it, it fell upon me. Why? Because I have to give an account for those things. But ladies, you're here, and here's the idea. You are to complete him, not compete with him. You're not competitors. It's not a struggle. You're not wrestling. It's not a contest. No, you're to complete him because without him, he's just a half a person. And that's where if he, if he really sees the value in his wife, then he knows he'd just be in a mess without her. Amen. He'd just be in a mess. And so, again, I'm going to say you're a team and not a partnership. Let's keep reading that. Neither, is, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Note, and look at verse 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. In other words... What this means is authority. The angels look in on these things. I don't understand all about this. There is another world, an invisible world that's out there. And there are angels in there. And they know a lot about authority. When you read about powers and principalities and, and uh, spiritual wickedness in high places, it's talking about that, that invisible world. And they operate, whether they be thrones or governments and so forth, those are all levels of authority that are in that invisible world over which the Lord Jesus is uh, rules and reigns. And those angels, they inquire into those things, they look into those things, and they understand authority. And so, ladies, they, they want you to be under that umbrella. Listen, there's never a time that a woman is supposed to be out from underneath some sort of umbrella of protection. Again, it doesn't mean that you're inferior. It just means that you, you're, you are, if you will... <clears throat> That you are, and I, you know, I know this is going to offend somebody. It's, listen, you're, you're more delicate in those things. Listen, you're just not physically capable of doing some of the same things. 
That's why God doesn't expect you to tote bricks and, and, uh, and you know, and, we're not the same. Our bone structure is not the same. And regardless of what this worldly crowd says about the, the, this and that and what they think to be and what they identify, you know what? When they look at your bones, they'll be able to find out what you are. Can't they do that right now? Sure they can. They can tell by looking at the structure of the skeleton as to what this was, regardless of what you call yourself. I'm just saying, ladies, that, that there's something to this and that when you are submitted to your head, you know, that's when we come under the protection of some things. I, I think there's some umbrellas. When, there's, when, when, a, when a, a little girl is growing up, she's under the umbrella of her father. When, when she gets married, she comes to that age, she falls underneath the umbrella uh, of her husband. And when her, when her husband dies and she's a widow and she's reached that age, 60 years old, and she's done some other things, then she becomes a responsibility of the church and she falls underneath the, the authority and responsibility of the church. There's never a time that she is to be without that watch care. It, again, it doesn't mean that you are inferior. I mean, I, I wouldn't, you, you know, would you use a porcelain, a fancy porcelain dish to pry on something or a screwdriver? I'd use a screwdriver. I wouldn't use that, that delicate porcelain dish that's gone through all that and so valuable. That's what the Bible refers to when it talks about, about the wife being the weaker vessel. It, it doesn't mean inferior. It's just made for a different purpose. And we need that. You know, I, I'm not interested in finding my feminine side. I've got a feminine side. That's my wife. Amen. And ladies, you don't have to come out here and be, uh, you know, I just got to be a, you know, I just got to be an MMA fighter. and got to be, no, no, you've got a protector. That's your husband. And, and we each have to be satisfied with our roles. So, so I know I've taken some time with this, but I, what I want you to see in this is that, is that, ladies, man, your acceptance of these things, it is a matter of believing God. It's not even about believing Brother Ed. It's as you read the Word of God and believing what God says about your role. These things are in black and white. They, they don't require a lot of interpretation. And so as you accept your role, what is your role? According to Timothy, God's, you know, Timothy was, was written to Timothy. And he said, he said, I would that younger women would marry, bear children, and guide the home. What a great responsibility. That doesn't mean barefoot and pregnant all the time. That's not what that means. It just means that you, that nurturing side that you have about you, that tenderness side. Listen, there's no love like a mother's love. There's just none like it. You know, I, I was looking at some of the materials that we're going to be using on Wednesday nights for the kid, kids, and they were talking about a mother's love. And there, and there, there was a little child in a little chair and had a scratch on their knee, and there was mom wiping a tear and putting a Band-Aid on and doing all those things. It wasn't necessarily dad. It was just, you know, when, when men have been in battle, they've been in combat, you know what they've cried out for? They've cried out for their mothers. They didn't say, Dad, come help me. They called out for their mothers. A mother's love is so enduring. It, can, it, it bears many, many things. And that's the way God made her. And men, we need to be grateful for that. And ladies, you need to embrace your womanhood. 
Don't try to be something that you are not. And I'm telling you, it'll make a difference in your home. Uh, acceptance. And then, uh, then I want you to see, you know, your, your attitude. Your attitude. Do, do you know what the marks of a harlot are? I want you to go with me to Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7. <clears throat> if you don't want to be confused for some of these things, then you need to avoid these things. We, we talked about this morning in men's Sunday school about how you can learn by observation. You can learn, you can learn what you ought to do and you can also learn what you shouldn't do by observing other people. And, and look at this in uh, Proverbs 7. I want, you to, I want you to see this with me. Look, look here. Look at verse 6. He said, For at the window of my house I looked through the, my casement, and behold, among the simple ones I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot. So what do you suppose her attire was? It, it probably had to do that, in other words, that her, her, her clothing did not draw, or, or her clothing was designed and what she wore <clears throat> was to draw attention away from her face to her other accoutrements. That's why they do that. And why do they meet in the dark? Because they don't really want you to see what they look like. You remember Rahab the harlot? How did she dress? She wore scarlet, right? what she did that's what her profession was and so ladies you know if you're going to be attractive for someone be attractive for your husband your attire so choose your clothes wisely and sometimes men you're going to have to say to your you might have to say to your daughters or maybe even say to your wife you know honey that's that you know that's a little too tight or I, you know we can see some lines in that or whatever and ladies, you have to be willing to receive that. I mean, they need to say it the right way. Don't, don't be like, hey, does this make me look fat? Man, that's a no-win question, ladies. <laughs> you remember that honest Abe? You remember that commercial was out there? And she wanted to know, Mrs. Lincoln wanted to know, uh, uh, Abraham, does this make me look fat? Uh, you know, he didn't know what to do, honest Abe. And so, so yeah, you have, you have to stay away from those things. So the marks of a harlot, man, you know, one of the things is that her clothes, it is alluring, modest apparel, can be found, ladies. It can be, if you look for it, if you want to. That, that, then I want you to see what is her attitude. She is subtle of heart. And, and, there, and so to see what that is, the Holy Spirit puts in parentheses to give us a little more information. Notice what it says. It says she is loud and stubborn. Loud. A noisemaker. In other words, what that does is she is aggressive around the opposite sex. She is loud mouth. She corrects her husband. She finishes his sentences for him. He might be telling a story and says it's on a Tuesday, when in reality it happened on a Thursday. Does it really matter? No, it doesn't. And, and you know, or, or or the way that they talk about their husbands sometimes. You know, the only person that makes look bad is that woman because you're the one that married him. You know, and, and so sometimes we don't like to be confronted by those things. So ladies, ask the Lord to help you with that. That it doesn't matter if it was on a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever, if it was blue and it really, he thought it was black or whatever. That doesn't matter. That, that's not going to help finish the story or make it have a greater impact. So be careful about how you handle yourself around the opposite sex. 
Be careful about how you're doing that. You shouldn't be the loudest one in a group of men. You should be with the ladies when you're meeting. Now, I think it's fine to laugh and carry on and have a good time. But I'm just saying, you and ladies, listen, you, you have watched other girls growing up. Why were they doing all that? Because they were wanting the attention, weren't they? You remember, you remember that. There were girls like that in school. You just have to be careful how they flip their hair and other things they do. They want to be noticed. They want to be noticed. One of the other things about her, notice what it says. She is loud. Look at that other word. Stubborn. She is stubborn. She's just determined I'm going to have my way regardless. Stubborn. It's not a good attitude to have, ladies. Hey, I can't tell her anything. She's just a stubborn, you know. She won't ever change about that when she should or whatever. That, that's not a good attribute for a man or a woman. And so, but that is what, she, this is the attitude of a harlot. If you don't want anybody to mistake you for one of those, then avoid those things. Avoid those things. Be attractive for him. Listen to what Timothy said. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or, or pearls or costly array. He'll go on to say, but let it be what the hidden man of the heart, Peter will say, in that meek and quiet spirit. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't speak. Doesn't mean that you don't have an opinion. Doesn't mean that you don't have good ideas. There's just a time and a place for those things. And so... I, I do think that when a, a woman responds to the way that she is treated by her husband. And so I do think, men, I'm going to touch on something here. I didn't mention, but I do think that as you give your wife opportunities to express herself, whether it be maybe something in the home or something in the discussion without just shutting her down or whatever, and you give her opportunity to, to listen to those things as she explains maybe what her reasoning was. And I know sometimes it can be a long story, that's how they're different. The details matter to them. Say amen, men. You know that's so. You know, if some, if a child around here is born and I get a word, you know, that the, I, I would come home and say, well, hey, you know, she had a little boy and, and she's doing good and so is the baby. Debbie's not going to be, well, what are the statistics? Well, what do you mean? You know, what, you know, she was one for one, you know, had, you know, but she wants to know how long was it? Did it have any hair? Uh, you know, and, and my thinking is, hey, it's got all its fingers, it's got all its toes, it's breathing. Things are good. Things are good. But no, they want to know the gender. How much did it weigh? Was it a full term? Was it 39 weeks? Was it 40? What? All that stuff. Well, we, and, and, and then I've had to say sometimes that she knows, I don't know. I didn't ask that. <laughs> You know, like, well, why not? <laughs> you know, well, it didn't matter to me. Well, it does, it does, it matters to the other mothers, you know. And, uh, and so that's just a part of our differences. It's not a flaw. It's not a weakness. It's just how we're different. And you know what? Sometimes men, we, we ought to appreciate when they notice certain things as they do certain things about for us or whatever. Why? Because they noticed it. And they did something about it to be a blessing. And so, ladies, just press on with who you are. Amen. You understand? But, but, the, but these matters, your attitude and your attire, boy, that goes a long way to show respect for your husband. And then lastly, you know, your actions. L listen to what this says in Proverbs 12 and 4. It says, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. 
but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in the bones. One of those things, that woman in Proverbs 31, she had learned to live within her means. He had no reason for spoil. In other words, he didn't, they didn't take on more than what they could afford, what they could chew. And she was content with the things that she has. That's a great quality, ladies. That is a great quality that you have. And in your actions, you, you're respecting him by not comparing him to, well, you know, so-and-so's got this, and how come we don't have that? That's not really fair. And, uh, and so, by, just as he wasn't supposed to compare your cooking to his mother's or his sister's or even his own, um, you know, then ladies, don't compare him to what some other husband is doing, what somebody else is doing. Don't do that. She's hardworking. The Bible says of that woman, she gets up while it's yet dark. And uh, she starts her day. In other words, and she acts honorably in everything that she does. Honorably. So, you know, that man was recognized. They said, somebody might look at her and say, well, who was that? Oh, man, that's so-and-so's wife. You know, now they weren't, it wasn't a lustful thought, but they were saying, man, you know, they recognized who he was because of her. And who she was because of how she conducted herself. You think about when Abigail came to David. Abigail was Nabal's wife. And Nabal was a churlish man. He was a wicked man. And no one could get along with him. He couldn't even talk to her. And even when he did wrong, she did the right things. And she handled herself like that. And I think God honored her for that. And that's part of the reason why... David came along after her husband was dead and married Ab <clears throat> married Abigail. <clears throat> and she became a part of David's family, David's household. And so, uh, listen, God knows your circumstance. God knows your situation. God knows your husband. And, uh, and he, you know, he is just looking to you, ladies, to yield yourself to him and to trust him and not necessarily the man that you're sitting next to. It's about trusting God. That's what Sarah did. She trusted the Lord who was over Abraham that their needs would be met. And that's how come she was able to do what she did. And that's how you'll be able to do what God requires of you and your husband as you trust him. So, so your, 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 your acceptance matters in your respect for your husband, accepting your role, your attitude about those things. You, your spirit, ladies, you have such a powerful spirit, you don't realize how you affect your home, the atmosphere of your home. One thing I didn't read about that, about that lady is her feet abide not in her house. She doesn't know when to stay home. Gone all the time. Things that need to be taken care of at the house are not taken care of. Why? Because she's out on the prowl. She's hunting for the precious life and doesn't realize it's right there what she has already. And so, ladies, you have a responsibility as well. Men, we need to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Ladies, you need to respect and reverence your husbands as the church is to do towards the Lord Jesus. Submitting ourselves, we're subject unto him. He is our head. And that's the way that we want it. Why? Because he knows best. He knows best in these things. So I'm hoping that you will, as equals, learn to submit yourself to one another in the fear of God.
And I'm telling you, God will bless your home. And it'll be a place where there is joy, where, where there ought to be some love, and there ought to be some laughter. Ought to be laughter in your home. And, and long-suffering. And that's where, you know, that's where you learn. Men got to learn how to say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And that's also useful for the women, too. I was wrong. And I'm sorry. Don't always be the one, well, they got to come to me. No, no, don't do that. Y'all ought to meet somewhere in the hallway, amen, at your house. Or somewhere in the living room or in the kitchen where you're coming together. Not to butt heads, but to come and make things right. Pray together. Confess those faults one to another. And I'm telling you, God will bless your home. And he'll look forward to coming home and you will look forward to him coming home. Don't you want it to be that way? I don't want to, I don't want I didn't want her to stop off someplace else. She didn't want me to stop off someplace else. We wanted to be together. Amen. And I and I want that for you as well. And God can do that and bless your home. Men, let's love our wives. Lady, ladies, learn to reverence, respect your husband. Amen. And if you're having trouble with it, take that thing to God. I'm telling you, he'll speak to you about your own heart. Help you with what to do. All right? Let's pray. Father. I sure do thank you for the word of God, and I thank you for our ladies, Lord. And I pray you'll bless them and strengthen them. God, give them purpose and power as they live out the role for that you have selected for them. And I pray that your hand will rest upon these homes. May, may the Lord Jesus be exalted, and may these husbands and wives, as they draw nearer to you, Father, may they be drawn nearer to each other. And I pray you'll bless them tonight. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for being here. I so appreciate that.